Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message.
I wanted to take this opportunity to talk to families, uh, to talk to families. And, you know, at some point, all of us were children. So it really, none of us are excluded, right? And you know what? Being a parent, moms and dads, both of us nowadays, I believe that that is a challenging role, very, very challenging role, one that requires all the support that we can get, quite frankly. And more than that is an awareness that we need God to direct our lives. Everything that we do, wherever we go, we need Jesus by our side. We're navigating through some very difficult waters as parents in our society. And so we need to have Jesus by our side as we navigate through the storms that we face. I've entitled this message today, you probably see it behind me, Parental Warnings in a Culturally Broken World, because we do live in a world that is morally and spiritually broken and bankrupt. Parents are having to face issues today that were unheard of just a few years ago. Think about that. Gender confusion, sexual immorality blatantly on display, children that receive a curriculum in their school that will probably make you cringe. If parents truly knew, I, Kim told my wife Lois that if parents were really truly aware of what was being taught in their school to their children, we probably cringe. Have you ever heard of nowadays drag queens showing up at school parties? And, and family birthday parties. It's unheard of what we're facing today. Even Disney movies that used to be, you know, Disney was a, a, a flagship for family coming together. Even there now and days, there are hidden messages that are promoting ideas that are aimed at the minds and the hearts of our children. What we assume to be for safe consumption, it really is no longer safe consumption. And all of, it, all of these ideas are promoting humanistic agendas that are aimed, again, at the hearts and the minds of our children and aimed to remove God out of the equation of our society. Our children's innocence is being attacked and slowly being eroded. We can no longer be quiet, guys. We can no longer stand by and let things go by and say nothing. We need courage, courage that we prayed for just before the service. We need to be emboldened by God to speak the truth in love. Let me say that we understand if your children are having to attend a, a public school and not a private school. Not everybody can afford, you know, what private school costs nowadays, especially Christian private schools. But let me say today, more than ever, it's critically important to be involved in the lives of our children. If you have a child that is attending a public school, be involved, if you can, into the public school, into the committees. And if that's not your personality, I understand that. But at least ask the questions, show interest, see what's going on behind the scenes. Because it's not always what we are told by teachers and the school board that everything is honky-dory. There are things that are going through that are passing underneath the surface. Now, you might look at me and say, this is so old-fashioned. Come on, get on with the day. 
I would rather say that we are concerned. We are concerned. As I prayed and prepared for this word today, God spoke to my heart and told me that it is time for us to do all that we can to protect our children. We've got to protect our children. The devil is after the next generation. He's after their innocence. He wants to taint their innocence with immorality and ungodliness. And as a church, friends, we have a better alternative. Are you with me? We have a better alternative, and his name is Jesus. And this is not to be shared with a mentality or a mindset that says, better than you, move out of the way, you're just terrible. No, we got to do it with love. We are going to probably be, for some people around us, the only expression of love that they will ever see. And so it's our responsibility, friends, to show them the love of God. You and I may be that only Jesus. And so we must do all that we can. I want to take a text today and read you from Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 30. Proverbs 6 and verse 20, sorry. And it's going to be displayed behind me at some point. Here we go. And it says these words. It says, my son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you, are, when you awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And correction and instruction are a way of life. Now, Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and seven are three chapters that contain some of the strongest warnings and very stern warnings across the Bible. You know, from putting our hope in people and not putting our hope in people or, or, or being uh, taking actions that are fooling actions or laziness, lack of humility, bad company that corrupts character, uh, uh, Solomon says. And it talks about adultery, sin of promiscuity, sexual sin, things that God considers detestable. Solomon is warning people, children, people, hey, be aware of all of these things. But then in the midst of it all, in the midst of all this, he gives these verses that we read. And these are, you know, when I, when I thought of these three chapters and I, I've read them so many times. I thought of these chapters, I'm like, these are not your Bible reading before going to sleep at night. You know what I'm talking about? Woe unto you. It's like, that's not what you want to read before you go to bed at night, right? You want to read some blessings, you know, Psalm 91. That makes you feel good. But these warnings and these things are actually written for everyone. And I, quite frankly, I tell you that if all of us would actually heed the warnings of God's word, every one of us, moms, dads, children, we've all been children at some point, right? All of us would probably be in a better place in our society. And our society would return perhaps to biblical values that have been, been discarded and put aside. So today, I want to look at these verses from not a command to children, but actually to parents. I want to look at it from the other side. I look at these verses as 
uh, from the from the parental angle, if you will, and words that actually would encourage us and spur us on to do something out of what we have become ordinarily accustomed to. So, first and foremost, in verses 20 to 23, if we can display verse 20, that will give us the first thing that I want to talk about. It says, my son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. There are both parents mentioned here, right? Moms and dads. And I want you to know mom and dad, mom and dad-to-be, whoever you are, this is your responsibility. You have equal responsibility. You are both responsible in bringing the command and the teaching of the Lord to our children. Now, you know, oftentimes we envision dads, you know, dad's cracking the whip and he's just, you know, wearing a belt in his hand. Come on. You know, and then we envision mom that just sits the child down and and talks calmly and, and peacefully and provides instruction. Now, there's some truth to that, but I want you to know that growing up, I mean, I, I, was, I was a case, <laughs> you know. My, uh, my grandmother would sing a song every time I go to the house because she knew that I would probably, like, put it upside down. That was just me. I'd touch everything and just wanted to be into everything and climb on everybody's lap. <clears throat> and, and that, you know, that was me. And you know what? Oftentimes, even at home, I would just be a terror to my mom. I would not listen to her, and you know what? It was okay until dad would come home. And if you know, you know. When dad would come home, he'd take care of business. And I had a secret weapon. There are no children here, but there are a few. For those of you that are here, here's my secret weapon. When dad would come and ready to like, Give the command, if you know what I mean. I would just start laughing. Laugh! I'm like, oh, I'm like laughing. I'd hide under the bed and I'm laughing. And all of a sudden, they just, they just forget about me. Secret weapon, guys. You will thank me later. Now, there's some truth to the fact that, you know, dads are the authority and moms are the gentle. That's the gentle nature of a woman. That's how God created us, right? But there's also the fact that in these scriptures that moms and dads are mentioned because there is a partnership that has to take place. Moms have got to work together with dads. Now, the sad truth is that many fathers unfortunately, have abdicated their responsibilities. They probably have decided that, that perhaps having fun or giving in to pleasure and spending time with their buddies is probably better than raising their children in the ways of the Lord or even just raising their children to grow up strong and courageous, affirmed, loved, appreciated for who they are. It takes investment. It's not just one of those things that just happens because you wish it and it happens. It takes a lot of investment. And so I want to address a word to single moms and single dads because that's important for you also to know that we know you, we see you, we love you, and we support you. You are here because you know that that's what you need. And you know what? We want to do the best that we can to fill the gap in your life. 
We want to fill the gap with you in, in as, even as Bill mentioned before, in instruction, in discipleship, in community, in family. We often say that this church right here is not your traditional church. If you've been here more than just a couple of Sundays, you know that we're more of a family. We look at ourselves as a family. We want to be a family. That's what we desire to be. Because family sometimes, you know what? Yeah, things are a little messy in a family, right? So if you look at church as a family, you will not be shocked and, and oh my God, these Christians. No, they're you're your family. They're your brother and sister. We are. I'm your brother and sister. And you know what? My brothers messed up so many times with me. If you have a brother and sister, you know what I'm talking about. If as any brother and sister ever messed around with you, yeah. So let's not get so shocked and out of whack because in the church we're looking for a perfect place. We're not a perfect place. We're a perfecting family. God is perfecting all of us. And so it's an investment, guys. The fact that you're here, single parent, mom, single dad, demonstrates that you want to live a life that honors God, a life that follows the patterns of God's word, and we want to partner with you. We want to walk alongside you in any way that we can. Now, some of us grew up without a father, some of us grew up without a mother, and some of us grew up without both. You already know the challenges that you've experienced in your life, what you had to fight for. I want to take that same energy and strength that you had for what you fought for, that you continue to fight for that for your own family, for your children and your legacy, because that is so vital and so important. There are some statistics that I want to show you that are kind of scary, but it's the truth. And you know what? We need to see this as for what it is because there's a pandemic of, of, of fatherlessness. And here's what it caused. If we put those up, <clears throat> there we go. This is taken from the National Fatherhood Initiative. And these statistics are as of the end of 2021. So they're fresh. And it basically, look at what happens when there is a father absent home, four times greater risk of poverty, more likely to have behavioral problems, two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit crime, seven more times likely to become pregnant as a team, more likely to, I mean, these statistics, I can continue, but you get the gist. These are scary things. If we can go to the next one. This is why dads are good for moms. And those are some of the good things that happen when there's a dad that's present inside the home. More likely to receive prenatal care. Less likely to smoke during pregnancy. Healthier births. Lower risk of postpartum, et cetera, et cetera. These are real facts. Now, let's look at the next one. <clears throat> and this is important. This is the strength of a father's presence in the home. No infant mortality, low birth weight, emotional and behavioral problems, neglect and abuse, injury, obesity, etc., school performance. The, all of those things become less and less a factor when a father is involved in the home. That is why it is so 
important. It's an investment. Friends, these stats are sad, but there's good news for all of us because in the verses that I read, in verse 23, the first part of verse 23, it actually tells us what happens when moms and dads together join together in a partnership to instruct and teach their children. And it basically tells us that that is a lamp. The command is a lamp and the teaching is a light. What that will actually do is provide light, clarity, vision for children to walk through in life. The responsibility to instruct our children in the ways of the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, falls on both moms and dads. <clears throat> I said it before, it's a partnership. But you know what, guys? We have got to fight for it. We got to fight for it. Fight for it. Don't just take it for granted. Don't assume that everything is just going to fall in place. You have got to fight for it. Now, sometimes we look at statistics and we say, ah, that's never going to happen to me. That's not who I am. That's not the way I was brought up. But that's not always the case, is it? Because the very things that we experience in life are the things that we never expected would happen, sometimes do happen. If you have gone through situations in your life and you thought, oh man, that's never going to happen to me, and it does happen, it's proof that anything that the enemy is purposing can happen to any of us. I want to tell you that you are not alone. Single parent, you're not alone. We're in your corner. Moms and dads, you are not alone. That's why at Dedication we do what Bill said earlier. We partner with families. We want to be there with you. We're basically saying you are not going to do what you are doing alone. And as a church and as a congregation and as a family, we say, amen, we're going to be there. We're going to be there to care for your children. As Madison said, we're going to steward your children. We take them in the back to receive instruction. We have teachers that are like so in love with your children. We take them through a whole process. We check their background. We, we do all of the stuff that we need to do before we entrust your children into their care. It is so important. It's a partnership. We've got to do our part, parents. We've got to do our part. Command and instruct children in the ways of the Lord. But there's a second thing that I want to say today. And it's this. We have got to beware of the schemes of the enemy. We've got to be aware of the schemes of the enemy. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 is a very well-known scripture. Let me read it for you. It says, be alert and of sober mind. The enemy, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How many of you know that we're in a war, a spiritual war? This is not a game. There's an enemy that is prowling around. Now, most of us have memorized this verse. We know this verse, right? How many of you never heard that verse? Look at that. Just about none of us. We've at some point heard it. Now, for the most part, I've always thought of this first that this refers to like a church leader, a pastor, someone that's like in authority spiritually, right? 
It doesn't refer to anybody else. I mean, not a, just a, a regular person. Or we think about it, maybe it refers to like a Christian, a strong Christian in church. You know, people that are like given to prayer and given to, to the ways of the Lord. That's not the case at all. In fact, some people actually interpret this verse that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. And I've heard people actually say, well, he's like a, a lion, but he's not a lion. In fact, he's like a toothless lion. Have you ever heard that? Some people say that. I've heard people say that. A toothless lion. He is not even close to being like a lion. We have Jesus. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. Yes to all of that. But actually, that is a gross misinterpretation and misunderstanding of the scripture. And let me explain to you why. Because the actual translation of this verse is better rendered this way. That the enemy prowls around in a manner of, he stalks his prey in a manner of a lion. When a lion gets a prey, what does he do? He bites and doesn't let go. When a lion bites, it's game over. It's game over. Now, not only that in the scripture, but it also says that your enemy prowls around, like around looking for someone, someone to devour. And that word in the original text is a very important word. And I want to stop there for a moment because that someone doesn't just refer to, you know, men and women of faith in the Bible, as we have said, right? It refers to moms. It refers to dads. It refers to children. It refers to grandparents. It refers to every single one of us and more. In fact, that translation is better rendered as to who and what. Now, what am I saying by this? I'm saying this, that the enemy is after you and me, but he's also after something else. There's something else. Recently, and I, I'm, I'm going to call somebody to come, so Angela, start making your way up. Um, Angela uh, went to a teacher's conference, and I, I wanted to show and, and share some statistics that came out of that conference that I thought were so interesting and very poignant to what we are illustrating today. So, Angela, please. Okay. Um, according to Our World Data from 2016, the average time that parents spend with their children is about two hours a day for university-educated moms and only 85 minutes per day for university-educated dads. The time decreases by 20% for non-university educated parents. According to the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics in 2021, the total caring for and helping for children done by parents is about two hours per day. This includes getting children ready, helping them read, playing, putting them to bed. The actual face-to-face -face time is approximately one hour. Both of these statistics include babies to about 13 years old. 
according to the National Center of Education statistics from 2007 and 2008 in North Carolina, students attend school for about 6.75 hours per day for 180 days a year. And according to Pew Research in 2015, 76% of teens ages 13 through 17 use social media and 72% of all teens say they spend time with friends on social media. So if kids are in school for four days a week, that's 27 hours a week. Or if they're in school for five days a week, that's 33.75 hours. So if parents are spending seven to 14 hours a week with their children, who actually has the attention of your children? Who's influencing our children? And what are we teaching them? Yeah, thank you, Angela. Yeah. That's sobering statistics, guys. There's sobering statistics. And, and what we're trying to illustrate here is that there's a silent enemy to all of this. And you know what? It's so much easier when you're busy, right, to just entrust your kids to somebody. You just want a break. You need a break. You know, I'm just, I, I need a break. You know, you go to school or, you know, after you go to school, just, you know, social media, fine. You know, we have got to be more invested. Here's what the enemy is after. When it says that word someone, and I was telling you before, there's something else. There's a what there. You know what the enemy is after? Is after your concept of a godly family. Is after your idea of what actually a family is all about. As far as the enemy is concerned, a family can be two women, it can be two men. It could, I mean, some of the things that are coming out these days in the media are just absolutely horrifying. Horrifying. And we have a responsibility, guys. Now, for some of you, you may be listening to me and you're thinking, man, this church is just like, that's not what I'm looking for as a church. I, I can't help that. I'm sorry. We bless you. But you know what? We're going to take a stand for righteousness. And we're going to believe, we are going to believe that a family union and a family unit is still the unit the union between a man and a woman that produces children in a natural, normal, biological manner. Because that is what the Bible instructs and teaches us. The enemy is after the very concept of marriage, is after the very concept of union, is after the very concept of your own identity and life. That's what someone is look. That's what someone is has a lot more meaning. It's not just you individually. It's every thought. You wonder why the enemy hates the church? Because we believe this stuff, and we try to live it to the best of our abilities. Do you know why? Have you ever asked yourself, like, how could it be? I was looking at um, at a video that popped up on Facebook. In 20, early 2021, the WWE, you know what I'm talking about? The Worldwide Entertainment or something like that, whatever that's, E stands for. 
the fighters, you know, on the rink and all the fake stuff that they do. They were in a superdome, packed with people. I mean, from back to the front, everyone, nobody was wearing masks. No one could go anywhere except in church. Churches have to be closed. Why is that? Because the enemy is after the very concepts that we believe in. Is after the very things that the Word of God encourages us to apply in our own lives. That someone is more than just a person. That someone is everything related to what we believe and apply in our own lives. Friends, we need to ramp up our interest and commitment in raising this generation for Jesus. They are your children and our children. Now, many say that the next generation is doomed. The generation Z is just going to be far from God. I tell you that I am believing differently. My wife and I are believing different, and we're praying different. The generation Z will be marked by God, God-fearing, God-committed, given to God for the things of God because they want a reality of the gospel of Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. But you know what? We've got to do our part. And I want to tell you, parents, you have to do your part. And I want to add, grandparents, we also need to do our part. We need to do everything that we can in our power. And one of the greatest things that we have got to commit, be committed to as grandparents is prayer. 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 Get on your knees and pray for your children and your grandchildren. We try to, Lois and I, that there's not a day that when we pray together that we don't pray for our children, for our grandchildren, for everyone in our family, that God will strengthen them and strengthen their commitment for God. We have got to do better. You know what an overwhelmed parent told me lately? Just right here, a church member here. She was telling me it's a rat race out there with kids. They want to be in every sport that their friends are in. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They want to do everything their friends are doing. And I thought for a moment, wouldn't it be incredible that their parents would actually go, sorry, that their friends would go to their Christian kids and say, hey, you go to kids' church on Sunday. Can I come? Rather than them going to play sports or go to watch a game or do something else or go to the pool or go to the beach every weekend. You know what? How about we reverse the order and we bring the gospel right into the families around us? That's a concept. Now, if a parent, as a parent, for you coming together on Sunday does not hold value, it will not hold value to your children. If your kids are reluctant to come to church on Sunday and would rather do some other activity and some other fun thing, I say humbly to you, you should be concerned. Now, I realize, friends, that church is not the only way to follow Christ. Please, don't understand, don't, don't hear me saying that church is everything. But as a culture... We have abandoned some of those traditions that once marked healthy families in the past. And if you never had them, 
If you've never experienced those traditions, it's never too late to actually start now. You know, what are you talking about, David? I'm talking about like going to church on Sunday together as a family. I'm talking about sitting around a dinner table with your children, praying for the food, like those silly things. That's silly stuff, David. What are you talking about? No, you know what? They're, they're, there's value in those some of those old-fashioned traditions that we once held dear. And now we no longer look at them because we are in a mad rush around us. Society just moves way too quick. It's like taking a shot at a Formula One race with a camera that has the, you know, what is it, the 400 or 1,000 film in it, and you just take it and it's just like, that's all you see. It's a blur. Life has become like a blur in front of us. Things are moving so quickly, and we don't have enough time to even stop and consider what's going on. Can I tell you that the devil is after those traditional values? It's anything and anyone. Anything and anyone. And the challenge for us is to make sure that we don't try to be so much like the Joneses that we forget to be like Jesus. That's our challenge. And all of us have to put some thought to that. So, can I tell you, don't be shocked if when your children are old enough to drive and make decisions for themselves, they get in the car on Sunday morning and head to the lake instead of heading to church. Don't be surprised if they go to the game or spend time with friends rather than spending time in the house of God and with Christian friends. Of course, we respect the choices and decisions that our children make when they get older. But if we wait until they're old enough to have these discussions, and I tell you, all you'll have is arguments fights, and more division and separations. Friends, this is not about being religious. This is not about being the goody-to-shoes people. It's about being practical. And as leaders of this church, it is not our interest to try to shove something down your throat so that you can be more religious, religious traditions. We're not looking for those. We're looking for commitment and care for our children and love and concern because they this generation is under attack. We have to be mindful that God allows us to shape the lives of our children for a season. And when that season goes, it's gone. It's gone. This is a sobering truth for all of us to assimilate. So what is the result of heeding to the father's commands and the mother's instructions. Well, look at them in verse 21. It says, bind them around your heart and fasten them around your neck. Let me just take two minutes to explain what that is. Bound them, bind them around your heart. The heart is the very center where God speaks to us. He speaks to our hearts. In Proverbs chapter uh, uh, 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your heart, with all your heart. Our relationship with Christ is a matter of the heart, not of the mind. 
We capture things with the mind, but it's got to go in the heart. And then we have got to learn to be fully trusting and dedicated to God and His heart so that His heart communicates with our heart. Now, <clears throat> it also says, fasten them around your neck. You know what? The neck in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament primarily, is a reference to the flesh. You know, you've heard of the, the expression sif-necked. Well, that's, it's the flesh, right? It's a part of us that is in, uh, in enmity, in disagreement with God. And so uh, Solomon here is saying that both the heart and the flesh, the body, the soul, and the spirit, everything, that whole connection is got to come together to hear the divine commands and the teachings that are given by moms and dads. Now, when that is the case, here's what happens. Verse, verses 22 and 23, it says, When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you are awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are a way to life. Someone said that when leading is promised, ignorance is implied. When leading where leading is promised, ignorance is implied. That means that when God is saying, I need to lead you, we need to stop and say, you know what, God, you know better than I do. Be humble about it. We don't know everything. Ignorance just means that you don't know everything. Let's just stop and say, God, I don't know what to do here. I need your help. I need you to guide me. And he will guide it. He promised that in this verse, when you walk, they will guide you. Those teachings that we receive, they will guide us. And it's teaching that brings life. He will also guard us, meaning that there's implied dangers around us and that we will need God to protect us, God our Father to protect us as much as children will need mom and dad to protect them. Especially, it says, when you're asleep when you're unaware of the dangers that are coming. But it also says, he will speak to us, which means that we have got to remain sensitive to the voice of God, to the Spirit of God, to his direction. That is why prayer, communion, intimacy with God are so important. Our hearts have got to remain tender so that he can speak to us. And when we abide by all of these principles, Solomon says, that is a way to life. A way to life. Let me just conclude with this. If you're a parent and you have children that are impressionable, here's the best way to teach your children. Don't just tell them, hey, go to church with our neighbors. Or, oh, you know what? Hey, uh, uh, you, it's important for you to pray. And read the Bible. So make sure you pray and read the Bible. And you know, it's, it's important to worship God, so make sure you worship God. How about you show them? You know what the greatest thing? I did not grow up in a Christian family. I was a young teen when I accepted Christ, but then I had a detour into the world and just did the things that I wanted to do. But you know what, I, what impacted my life more than anything? So one day, seeing my mom kneeling by her bedside and crying out to God and praying for David. 
for David. That marked me. That is what we have to do, friends. We have got to show our children by the way we live. That means pick up the Bible, read it with them, show them that you're in communion with God. I know these are great responsibilities. It's a huge responsibility. It's huge. But you know what? If we are wanting to raise a generation of God lovers and followers of Jesus, we've got to do everything that we can in our power. And please hear my heart. This is not to shame anybody. It is not for you to look at your life and say, I failed. There's always time to do everything that you can. You know, when I, earlier in our marriage, I was just so busy with life. I was going left, right, and center. And really, the teacher was the one that was investing in our children's life more than I was. If there's a time in my life that I regret the most is when our children were younger. I wish that I would have spent more time on the floor with them, playing with them. I wish that I would have done everything in my power to just... And they, I think that they knew that I loved them, and we did tell them. We showed them that we loved them. But I wish that I would have done more. Me. And that's why when our kids call and say, you come and spend time with the grandkids, we're there. We'll do everything that we can because we are responsible for this generation, guys. We are responsible for our children, our grandchildren. You are responsible for your children. And this time that you have with them will never come back. So I beg you, I beg of you, do everything in your power to instill in them those principles of God's word because that is what will truly matter. Yes, we want our children to succeed. We want them to do well. We want them to be financially stable. We want them to have everything that they have. But more than all those things, our prayer is that our children will see Jesus. They will live for Jesus. They will walk with Jesus every day of their lives. Because if all of that is gone, then they got nothing. And we got nothing. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive 
all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.